Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Test match 2005, Australia versus Pakistan. I was sitting in a crowd at the SCG. So was I. I know. We sent each other a text message. We were going to meet in the members bar. And I suddenly look up a couple of overs later and complete the story. Well, I, I got a text message from a, a mutual friend of ours, Duncan, who, who threw a, a lifeline out and said, oh, the 12th man is sick today. Do you want to be 12th man for the test match? And for those who aren't into their cricket, and there are plenty, I'm sure, listening, uh, the 12th man is the, you know, the guy that, or girl that carries out the drinks, acts as a little bit of a butler at times to the to the uh, the players to, you know, runs out a towel, the drinks, the get me a new bat, can you change my grip? It's a bit of a thankless, to, it sucks basically. But it's usually the next person in the team. And so that person is usually, you know, a player of profile and prominence. Anyway, I was, I was having a beer in the bar and the, the text came through, can you be 12th man? I said, absolutely, you know, I just made my debut for New South Wales, go out, hang out with Justin Langer, Matthew Hayden, Ricky Ponting, Warney. Uh, you know the the who's who of the Australian cricket team uh, in their absolute. Did you think it may pomp. have been some of your mates at Sydney University who were known to play pranks? No, they did like playing <laughs> a prank on me. But in this case, it was the real deal. So anyway, I was I was luckily twelfth man for the Test match. And you get a baggy green. You don't officially. You get a whole heap of training gear. So what? So you fit in with the group. They give you all the all the paraphernalia, including you know like a. A training hat and a maybe a, a, a wide brim hat to wear if you have to field. You didn't want to take that. No, I didn't because I, I hadn't earned it. I was the guy in the bar who was filling in for the guy who was sick. You know, like the the for me the symbol of the baggy green and, and it could be anything that you dream of or desire in life. You want to earn that, and so for me, I was still on the trajectory of wanting to do that for myself. I wanted to play cricket for Australia, and so the symbol of the hat or the clay, you know, even the training shorts. People think, oh, I'll take the training shorts, wear them to the beach. People might think I'm playing for Australia. I, was like, I don't want anything to do with that because for me that was just such a, a symbol of what was at the end of the tunnel and I was only at the start. And so I, I needed to make my own journey worthwhile and, and for me that was just through the symbol of, of the gear. I purposely want to leave an open loop. We'll come back to when you did make your debut for Australia and when you got your baggy green. We'll talk about that experience and how you felt when you'd earned it. But in between that, you were given a baggy blue yeah. for New South Wales. I understand you walked back into Dave Gilbert's office, who was the CEO of New South Wales Cricket at the time, and handed it back to him. Well, you- same story. I was 12th man. My, my first game, I was the official 12th man. So rather than the guy in the, in the bar, I was the 12th man for the fixture and when you are 12th man, you do, the official 12th man, you do get a hat. And I said, that for you know, for all the same reasons I've just uh, responded with, let's wait till I actually, you know, get it good and proper. Admirable. Do you think there was anyone in cricket circles going, God, this guy, just take a hat. <laughs> Come on, we're trying <laughs> to give you some opportunities, Ed. Like, take it. I don't know. Fit it on, mate. Yeah. Go at home. Look in the mirror. Visualise. I'm not, I hated all, I hated all that and the, and the full rigmarole around, uh, you know, people getting ahead of themselves. I don't know. I was, I was very much of the old school of, of having to earn your stripes. And you mentioned before your family values. It's obviously where that comes from. Yeah. Um, and you've openly spoken about this to me but in the open domain, so I'm not going anywhere that I don't think I can. But you went to Cranbrook School yeah. and 
I heard you say on Shane Lee's podcast that you felt like you had to prove even more oh, that because you went to an elite Australian school that it wasn't a, a silver riding or yeah. red carpet. Without doubt that you know cricket throughout Australia has historically been a working class sport and I think out of particularly in New South Wales I think there's been maybe five in the history of cricket that have gone to private schools really? and played for Australia, yeah. So our mutual friend Matthew Nicholson's one. That's what I um, There aren't many others in short and through we're talking about over a sort of 100-year period. And the reason why is, you know, multifaceted, but one is you play school cricket till you're 18 and all the other cricketers are playing club cricket at 14 and so they get to play against men a lot sooner and their skills develop and they, they toughen up they have a hard exterior to the game their mental skills are far sharper than playing against kids your own age all the way through to your 18 and so on that with with that kind of context when you come out of playing school cricket you're assumed to be just a little bit softer a little bit more susceptible to pressure Uh, maybe you know do it for a couple of years and you can go to university or something you don't really – the perception is you don't really want it. Well, I really wanted it. And so I had to fight that perception hard uh, because it was certainly there. I think it made me a better cricketer for a whole range of reasons, but specifically I think it was it was more around wanting to prove people wrong and different things inspired different people. And it's not for everyone, but I, I really – took that challenge of I'm going to prove these people wrong and the same people that probably doubted me at 19 became my closest friends at 23 because it it, it took three or four years for them to realise actually that this guy's serious and, and had seen the, the, the playbook from there I guess. Hi, it's Andrew, and thanks for listening to this bite-sized edition of the Performance Intelligence Podcast. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, you can find the Performance Intelligence Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can listen to High Performer Series, where I sit down with a leader in sport, business, entertainment, the arts, multiple domains, and look at the factors that has helped make them successful. There's the Science Of, where we explore a topic and go deep with some of the world's leading experts. And Performer Spotlight, which is a case study with an individual. It could be a small team or it could be a large organization on what they have done to achieve performance intelligence. And if you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and leave a comment and rating as we really do appreciate the feedback.